Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 15. This is book number 5 of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And so with this Memorial Day weekend, we are meant to remember um, those who, who gave their lives for our freedom. And as Christians, we can really draw a strong correlation, can't we, with this idea of someone giving their lives for our freedom. You know, in, in, in John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And so for those American soldiers, it was a love of country and a love of freedom and a love of their fellow citizens. Uh, But for Jesus, those words uh, on the night before his crucifixion, uh, they would would come true that very next day. They were prophetic. He would then go and, and die on the cross, laying down his life for us, his friends, to uh, secure our freedom. And Jesus is, is God. We read in the scriptures that God chose to come to earth as a man to take on human flesh, to dwell among us as a rescue uh, mission. And, and he would then pay the price for our sins that we couldn't pay. Uh, we were uh, in bondage to Satan and sin and, and death, but he died for us as our ransom. He says, I give my life as a ransom for many. And so he, he saved us. Only Jesus could save us. And so Jesus is the ultimate fallen soldier who gave his life for all of humanity. And so we must remember him. Even today, especially today on this Memorial Day, we want to uh, remember him. And so um, for me this week, as I've been praying and asking God, what is it you'd have me to share with your people on this uh, Memorial Day weekend message, I just couldn't get out of my head this, this idea of remembering, remembering, uh, remembering. It's actually a major theme in, in Scripture that we remember the Lord. For my family, uh, this past week uh, has been a week of remembering because we actually just Friday signed on a, a condo, and so we've been doing some serious packing uh, of our current apartment so that we could get into the condo, uh, hopefully, tomorrow. And you know how it is when you pack. Some of you have moved from college recently or to college recently or to a new apartment or house. And uh, you know how it is when you pack. You, you dig out all kinds of things from under the bed and in the closets. And, and you just find all kinds of things that just jog your memory. And uh, you kind of reminisce a little bit. As we were digging, uh, we found a bunch of the kids' toys from when they were younger and started thinking about, I remember when they were younger and they played with this and they drooled all over it and broke this with this toy. And we saw uh, a blankie that was Isaiah, my five-year-old's blankie, for the longest time. And we found it in the top corner of a closet that we had taken away from him uh, as, as a punishment. <laughs> and we found it. And he said, well, he, I guess he learned to do without that. And uh, so uh, we found that. But uh, one of the funny things Becky found uh, is she found... Uh, kind of this collection of stuff from my high school athletic days. And so she found so it was a few newspaper articles and my high school letter that goes on your letter jacket, which I never had, but I had the letter. And uh, then she also found a few medals and whatnot. And uh, I, when, I, when I was in high school, I was a distance runner, so I ran cross country. And I also ran the mile and the two mile on the track team. And then I was also a wrestler. And uh, Becky uh, likes to remind me that had she met me in high school, we would not have been together because she would not fall for a man who wears spandex to wrestle. And, uh, and my, my five-year-old, she was looking at the article and, on the newspaper of me uh, beating some guy up. But uh, she just finds this article, and my, my five-year-old son, Isaiah, comes over, and he looks at it, and he goes, Dad, you look like a girl. <laughs> I, you know, because he associates spandex and track short shorts as those are things that girls wear, short shorts and spandex. And so... 
uh, he and Becky uh, took to, to making fun of me and enjoyed themselves at my expense. Uh, but I must say, though, they were making fun of me. My four-year-old, Luca, thought it was pretty stinking cool that his dad was a wrestler. He had never seen me body slam anybody, but he was seeing a picture of me grappling uh, with another guy. And then he saw some medals, and so he started asking questions. I got to tell him some stories of my glory days, and uh, my head got really big. Uh, but listen, it's, it's very important for us to remember the past, to think on the, on the past, especially tonight when we're, we're thinking on the person and the work of, of the Lord, because what we're able to do when we think on the past is we're able to think about how truly capable He is over all of our challenges in life. We're able to think about how, how truly faithful He is, that He never leaves us or forsakes us. We, we can think about how powerful, how amazing, how glorious He is as we look on things uh, in, in the past. And so for me, though my mile today is it's much slower than it was back then, and though I don't have quite as many moves as I had back then, God never, never, never changes. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 13, 8, uh, it says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the truth that I want us to really latch on to uh, tonight is, is this, that remembering God in the past reinforces us in the present. Remembering God in the past reinforces us in, in, the, in the present because what he did in the past, if he never changes, is what he can still do today. And who he was in the past is who he still is today in your life. And so remembering God in the past will reinforce you in the present. And so let's look at Deuteronomy 6, uh, 1 through 15. That's where we're going to be uh, tonight. And again, this is the Pentateuch, the first five books of, of the Bible written by Moses. And so this is the last book, book number five, of, for, for us also Moses' biography. And so this last book, it will contain three sermons, preached sermons of, of Moses, two poems about Israel's future. And here we are tonight in, in Deuteronomy 6 uh, in his second sermon. And what we hear is we hear Moses calling God's people to fear God based on who he is in the past and, and to love him. And some people hear fear and love and we think those don't go together, but they really do. He says to, to fear God and to love him. And he's really, what he's doing is he's urging God's people not to make the same mistakes that they made in, in their past. And here's the mistake before we read. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, the first chapter of this last book of the Pentateuch, uh, Moses will remind us of just one generation prior to his listeners, the people he's preaching to in this moment. These people were saved out of slavery to Egypt by the, the Lord. Uh, they were then brought to the edge of the promised land. And then they're at the edge of the promised land, and God calls them to go in and to conquer Kadesh Barnea. And, and then God says through Moses in verse 21, he says, Do not fear or be dismayed. Go in there. The land is, is yours. But what happens? If you know the story, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, he tells us, he reminds us of what happens, uh, that in verse 28 of chapter 1, it says that, that the people say, but God, the people in the promised land, they're, 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 they're greater than we are, and they're taller than we are, and, and their cities, they exaggerate a little bit, their, their, their cities are, are great and fortified all the way up into heaven. God, no, no, that... They, they take what God says. He says, do not be feared and dismayed. And they do exactly 
the opposite of what he called them to do. And they say, we can't go in. And they rebel and they don't go in because they feared man and they didn't fear God. A big mistake that I think even many of us uh, will make in our lives. Uh, and so for that reason, what God declares, as he reminds us in Deuteronomy chapter 1, is that their generation would not see the promised land. And so they wander in the wilderness for, for 40 years. But their children would see the promised land. And so here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, God is, through Moses, is speaking to uh, their children. And, and once again, they're at the edge of the promised land. And once again, Moses is preaching to them and he's equipping them uh, to not make the same mistake of the generation before them so that they might go in and they might receive the, the, the great gift of God to his people, the promised land. And, and as we read this, understand that this is a real historical uh, account of God raising up the nation of Israel, uh, but also understand that for us, that this is a beautiful picture of what's happening in our own lives, that, that we are enslaved, not to, to Egypt, but we uh, are enslaved to sin and, and Satan and, and death, that as Christians, though, we can be freed based on faith in God and faith in his gracious gift of Jesus, the great rescuer. Um, and, and like the people here in, in Deuteronomy, we're kind of standing at the, the edge of, of promised land blessing, um, but we often miss out on the blessing, much like they miss out on the blessing, based on a lack of faith and a lack of trust in, in the Lord and, and the lack of understanding of his power and his capability. And that's why we need to look back. And so let's read uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we'll read all of it, 1 through uh, 15 here. It says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules of the Lord your God, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his, command, all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord... Your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you with great and good cities that you did not build and houses of, 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 uh, full of all good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. And that's where we'll, we'll end tonight. Wow. 
some super practical stuff packed in there, and then we get to that last part, and it's very, very heavy. Notice with me, if you will, verse 2. If you want to look back to verse 2, the, the call is to, to fear the Lord. To fear the Lord as opposed to, to fearing man as they did one generation prior back in Kadesh Bar- Barnea. Uh, the, the fear that we're referring to here is, is, is the kind of fear that causes you to see, wow, he's great. Wow, he's powerful. Wow, he is, he is mighty and he is really in control and he holds all things in, in the balance. And so it's that kind of fear that you really see how powerful and amazing he is, that you have uh, utmost reverence for him and, and seriousness in his presence, which also leads to trust in him and uh, in, in, in his power over all things. And so we need to understand that that scripture says that, that God is for us. And in Romans chapter 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Understand that wherever you're at in your life right now, you feel like the world is just working against you. Understand that, that God, he's for you. If you would trust him and place faith in him, he, he's for you. And so fear the Lord. Fear him. Understand he's in control. Look at, look at verse 3. It says, fear the Lord and be careful, right? Be careful. That phrase is so important. Be careful to do everything that he calls you to do. So that, what's it say? So that it will go well with you. If you fear him and you're careful to do what he tells you to do in his his word, it will go well with you. I think we need to be very careful to to take that warning uh, seriously. To be careful. Be careful with the Lord. Take his commands, what he's called us to do, very seriously. This isn't just some comfort reading, but this is something that we need to read and, and really seek to live by. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15, it was a passage of scripture that really just started impacting my heart big time about five or six years ago. Uh, Ephesians 5 15, uh, you don't have to turn there, but Paul likewise calls his readers the, the church at Ephesus. He says, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. He says, be careful, be very, very, very careful. It kind of reminds me of how I am with my kids. Um, it's baseball season, and I went down to the thrift store down in Roslindale here, and I got a, my kid's first uh, metal baseball bat. Not plastic wiffle ball, but a metal baseball bat. And so they, they're all excited on baseball. They got to go to their first Red Sox game recently, and they're just pumped about baseball. And so they'll be in the yard swinging the bat. We had a small group at the park the other day, and they're swinging the bat, and I'm constantly saying, well, be careful. Be careful. There's kids around. You never know. Because here's my experience. When I was a little kid, uh, my, my, my younger brother, who's about three years older than my, youngest, my younger sister, he's swinging the bat, and he smacks the bat, metal bat, and busts my little sister's face open. She gets stitches. And then a few years later, you know the old saying, what goes around comes around. My sister was actually swinging a bat, probably the same one. And my brother comes up, and he gets smacked in the face and gets his face popped open. And so I'm with my kids. I'm picturing that and just thinking, oh, my goodness, be careful. Be careful with the bat because, I, you know, I, I love you and, and I want to protect you and I want to protect your other, other siblings. And, and so I, I can tell them, be careful so that it might go well with your face, right, and therefore my, my budget. But be careful. Be careful. Face is much more important than my budget, I'll be honest. But here God is saying, listen, something so much more important, so much more vital than a face. He's talking about eternity. Eternity. He's saying, be be careful. He's speaking to things of eternal significance. He's saying, listen, what are you going to do with God? Are are you going to fear me, God says? You're going to place 
faith in me as a result of your, your fear, that reverence and your understanding of how, how powerful and righteous and in control I am, that I made you. I give you your, your, your very breath. Will you, will you fear him and place faith in him, or will you forget him and, and not place faith in him? This is of tremendous importance. That's why at the end of this passage that we read in verses 13, 14, and, and 15, it just sounds so severe. Can I read that again? 13, 14, and 15, what God says here. Because this is so important. He says, it is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods. He knows they're going to fail them. The gods of the peoples who are around you, fake gods, lowercase g gods there. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you off from the face of the earth. Wow, that's a, that's a warning. Don't disregard God. It will ultimately lead to your destruction. Don't just cruise through your life, but slow down, look around, examine the scriptures, be careful. Even if you think this is just bogus, you need to at least examine it because the truth here, the claims of the Bible are tremendously, tremendously serious and heavy. And so be careful, figure this out, search it out, seek the Lord. God, are you real? Show yourself to me. I want to understand you. I want to trust you. But be very careful to make sure that you understand the Lord. You fear him and you submit to him. Submit to him, placing faith in in him. And again, for them, what's going on, historical events. But for us, it's figurative, but it speaks to our eternity. And I think it also will speak to our prosperity on the earth, our, our promised land living, so to speak on the earth. And so Moses warns them, verse 3, be, be careful. Now, we kind of got the, that, that together. I want to go back to this idea of, of remembering. Look in, in verse 12. Once again, we hear that, that word for careful. It's that Hebrew word shamar. Uh, and I want to read that again, verse uh, 10, 11, and, and 12. It says this, it says, and when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care. There's that word again, same word in the original language, shamar, take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. He says, take care. Don't forget the Lord. When things are going well, don't, don't forget the Lord. Don't be the person who just comes to the Lord when things are bad and things are crumbling. And otherwise, you think you're doing all right because you might do all right to destruction. And he says, take care even when things are, are going well. That's why Moses is, is, is saying to his people, he's saying, listen, this is a call for action. I want you to take care. I want you to take some, some, some deliberate steps so that when you get to the promised land, that you don't just go your own way and forget the, the one who, who gave you the promised land. Because here's the, here's the deal. Not just for them, but also for us. Uh, a lot of times we have great intentions. I'm going to live for the Lord, but I've told you time and time again that intentions don't do a whole lot for you. A lot of us have good intentions. I mean, how many Sundays do you come, you're charged up, and you leave with great intentions? I'm going to do it. I'm going to live for the Lord. How many of us had good intentions for our New Year's resolution? Now, I wonder how many of us are still living out our New Year's resolutions. The ones who are living out 
their New Year's resolutions are people who didn't just have good intentions, but they put actions in, in place and they, they went forward with those. But if we just have good intentions, what, what will end up happening is we will unintentionally find ourselves not uh, following the Lord and beginning to forget the Lord. And so he says, take care lest you forget the Lord. And you've seen it time and time again. We get comfortable. We forget the Lord. And so he says, listen, don't forget. Don't forget. It's going to get good. You're going to have cities you didn't build. You're going to have food uh, and, and, and the houses that you didn't, you didn't get. You're going to have vineyards that you didn't work the soil. You just showed up and had, had the grapes. You're going to have cisterns that you didn't even dig yourself. You're going to enjoy tremendous blessing. And that's a good thing. It's a gift from the Lord. He says, but listen, don't let that cause you to forget about the, the, the giver of the gift. James chapter 1, verse 17, you've heard it before. It says that every good and perfect gift comes from the, the Lord, right? And so often we'll take the gifts of God and we'll let them distract us from the, the person who gave us uh, the gifts. And God's gifts are meant to be enjoyed, but they're also meant to point us to the giver. So take care not to forget the Lord. Now, we've kind of looked at the beginning of the passage We've looked at the end of the passage. I want to really uh, get into the middle of the passage now. where This is where the, the application, the take-home really comes out. What are we to do so that we can take care not to forget the Lord? Um, in the middle of this, this passage here, what we get is how can we regularly remember the Lord? Remember, remembrance brings reinforcement, right? Remembering God in the past reinforces us in the present so that we can continue to live for him today because we're thinking on who he was and who he still is. If, if he never changes what he's done and what he can still do, if he never changes, we think on those things. And it reinforces us and helps us to live. And so we have to think on those things. We have to remember and we have to put some, some actions in place so that we might not forget the Lord. So that we can remember on this Memorial Day weekend the great soldier who rescued us, Jesus Christ. And so we have to get these things on the front of our, our mind and on our, on our, uh, in our memory often. And so Moses uh, will point out right at the beginning, or right in this piece of his sermon here, he'll, he'll begin to point out some things that we might do. Uh, I'll, I'll call them remembrance practices. And uh, I, I know that some of you in here, you're, you're, you're here, maybe even right now you're thinking, I, I'm here. <laughs> I obviously remember the Lord. I, I, I remember to come. Uh, I pray daily. Listen, no matter where you're at, don't be satisfied. I don't ever want to be satisfied with, with my level of remembering the Lord. I want, I want to move. This is kind of where I'm at right now. I want to move from remembering the Lord every hour of the day to I want to remember the Lord every minute of the day, that wherever I'm walking, he's constantly in the forefront of my mind, that everything I see runs through the filter, the lens of, of, of the Lord, of Jesus. And so let's look in verses 4 through 9 some remembrance practices. We're not going to be satisfied with where we're at. We're going to keep pressing on how can we remember the Lord more and more. And so I want to look at them, verses 4 through 9. I'll give you two from Moses here in verses 4 through, through 9. And then I'll give you uh, two more from the one that Hebrews chapter 3 says is greater than Moses. We're talking about Jesus here. So I'll give you two from Moses and, and two from Jesus. And so let's read 4 through 9 uh, one more time. 4 through 9. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That was a big deal, especially into the land that they were going. God is one God. You don't worship many gods and try to get the best of everything and hope you get all your bases covered. You got one God. He is one. The Lord is one. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. 
You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And so some remembrance practices we want to get into here. I want you to notice before we get into them that, that, that Moses here is, is speaking to that great commandment that Jesus later quotes in Matthew chapter 22, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. He says the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, because if you want to love God with everything flowing out of that, you're going to love people. And so he says that, that love of your Lord should really encompass everything about you, your heart, your soul, your might. You love him with everything. So for us, that, that means that Christianity is not an extracurricular. Christianity is not just this nice, cute family support provider where maybe there's some nice activities for the kids. Christianity is not a family tradition that I'm going to just be a part of. Um, verse 6, Christianity is, is always on our heart. It's always on our mind. We love him with every ounce of our being. Everything that, that we have. So here from Moses, some remembrance practices. The first one is this, in, in verses 7 and, and 8, that we need to understand that remembrance means a family centered on the Lord. You might want to write these down if you have a pen. Remembrance means a family that is centered on the Lord. Now, I know that our family units, even in this room, look a little different. Some of you, um, you, your family is maybe you and a child. Some of you, it's you and just a spouse or you and your extended family. Whatever, a family centered on the Lord. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, 7 paints for us this picture of a family completely centered on the Lord. A family where, where mom and dad are, are, are constantly talking to each other and talking to the kids about the Lord all the time. I mean, he, he really does emphasize all the time, doesn't he? He says, you shall, you shall um, teach them to you diligently, diligently to your children. Not just kind of, I'll teach them to my children by bringing them to church and hoping they get something. I'm going to diligently teach them to my children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. So our houses need to be full of God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, conversations. Talk of them in your house. When you walk by the way, that means car rides. We're not walking very far today. Car rides, train rides, we're talking about Jesus. And when you lie down, when you rise, it's kind of just covering all the bases. Every second of the day, you're talking about the Lord. For me, what that looks like, the, the lie down and raise up. My kids come out of their bedroom every morning. They wake up. Mom's still asleep. She, she needs a little more sleep than I do. And they'll come out of the bedroom and she works harder than I do, so that's why I don't want to make her sound lazy. They come out of the bedroom. I'm sitting on the sofa reading my Bible every morning. They know that I'm sitting in my little spot in the sofa with my cup of coffee. And they're going to come out and they're going to see that dad values being in the scripture. Dad values being in prayer. And guess what they do right when they come out? Dad, can I turn the TV on? No. What are we going to do? We're going to read your Bible. So we get out the Bible and we begin to read it together. They eat it up. They love it. They love it. I have a little pack of note cards. We take those note cards. We start to go through scripture verses that they're memorizing. And then we, we talk about how that applies to a kindergartner's life. And they love it. They, they love it. And it's very powerful for them. And so that's what it looks like when we wake, when, when they go to bed. We lay down. 
we tuck them into bed. We maybe tell them a story. We always read or, or sing to them. We always uh, pray with them. They love it. They each get to pick out one song about Jesus for bedtime. It's a, it's a special time when we wake and when we, we, we lie down. And then everywhere in the middle. Everywhere in the middle. So here's what it might look like. For me, uh, we like to, to take the kids every now and again for a special treat. We'll walk from our house up the block to, to the red box at the pharmacy to pick out a movie. And, and not long ago, we were walking, and I, I think I've told some of you this before, but we're walking along, and we pass a cemetery. And that brought out some really big questions. <laughs> What's going on over there, Dad? And I had to talk to them about the things of the Lord and eternity. And it was powerful. We talk about that all the time. But wherever we go, looking for opportunities to talk about the Lord. If you don't have kids right now, Maybe you have a spouse talking about the Lord. Maybe you have somebody you're dating talking about the Lord. Maybe you have friends practicing your friends, right? constantly looking to talk about the Lord. One of our, our values as a church is that the name of Jesus would be on our, our lips often. Because I've been in so many churches in my life full of people who go to church, but throughout the course of the week, we don't talk about Jesus very much. That just doesn't make sense. That doesn't sound like you love the Lord your God with every aspect of your being. And so whether it be with your spouse or with your church friends or with your children, you're constantly talking about the Lord. But become a family centered on the Lord where, where Jesus is, is who you talk about a lot, a lot. Often Moses will do this. He, 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 he likes to list three generations. You notice back at verse 2 there, what does he say? He says, Teach this to your, you and your, your son and your son's son. He says that a lot. Your son and your son's sons. He, he wants to emphasize that. Listen, what are you going to invest in your kids? Is it going to be sports? It drives me crazy when that's what so many men, that's all they care. They're just consumed with sports and their kids making them athletics. It just doesn't, it doesn't last into eternity. Teach the truths of the Lord generationally. Pass it down. This is a of great value. This applies to a spouse if you're married. Ephesians chapter 5 commands us guys to wash our wives with the water of the word. How many men are opening up their Bibles and teaching their wives or at least reading the Bible with their wives? Well, it feels awkward. I've never done it before. We'll do it. There's a first time for everything. And I promise you, though you might feel awkward because you've never done it before, she's going to eat it up. Because you're actually saying, this is important, and I want to help you with this. And so, we've got to do it. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord means to remember the Lord at, at home. And again, if, if you're living in an apartment by yourself or with a roommate, you've got to start practicing. You've got to start practicing. Because listen, these spiritual disciplines will just magically appear when you get married. So many people think I get married and suddenly I'm going to lead my wife. No. I'm going to get married and suddenly I'm going to be able to talk about Jesus. No. So on the flip side, if that's not happening in a relationship that you're in right now, I'm just warning you. Be careful. Family centered on the Lord. Number two is, is remembrance means a Bible that is constantly open. A Bible that is constantly open. Look at Deuteronomy 6. We'll look at verses, um, look at verses 8 and 9. Here's what he says. He says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The idea here is that 
They're on your wrist, between your eyes. It's, it's close to you. God's word is close to you. Later Jewish readers took this and actually did it very, very uh, literally, and they developed these things uh, that they call phylacteries, and they were these little boxes, and they would put scrolls inside of the boxes, scrolls of scriptures, and they would put them, literally bind them on their wrist and on the, the, the forehead. And so they took it very, very literally. For me, here's what it looks like. When I was in high school, uh, I don't know what led to it, but for whatever reason, just prompted by the Lord, I suppose, to, to invest in a small Bible. Listen, can I just say, we spend a lot of money on goofy things, and then we like to go cheap on a Bible. If you're going to spend money, get a Bible that you can mark up. Get, I got a goatskin Bible here. Get a Bible you can mark up, and it's, it's a close companion to you. And when I was in high school, I was prompted to get a really small Bible, and I brought it everywhere with me. It was always in my backpack. It went everywhere with me. Just to be careful and, and, and just to make sure I always had Scripture near me, I got one and put it in my car. It got tore up by the sun sitting in my, in my back where my, my uh, ghetto speakers were because I was a little more thuggish back then than I am now. I was sitting in between the speakers. And listen, I wanted to have a Scripture close to me at all times. I think that's, that's what we're talking about. You got smartphones. We've talked about this. Go online. Download version on your phone if you have a smartphone. It's, it's a really cool resource. But listen, the Bible, have it close to you. Because if you really want to believe uh, the, the truths of the Lord of the, the past, you really want to know those and remember him, you've got to have uh, the scriptures close to you at, at, at all time. And it will reinforce you. So get that, that Bible open. Again, same principle here. Good intentions don't do much for you. I told you this time and time again. I deeply believe that you've got to have a plan. One thing I, I ask people often is, hey, can you maybe just shoot me an email with a, like a plan, like a Bible reading plan? Really? I haven't written a paper in years. I'm just talking about, give me three bullet points. I'm going to look at this book at this time of day, and I'm going to sit in this seat. Literally, this is the seat I'm going to sit in. Because listen, if we don't make a date, we don't know if we've stood God up. You know what I mean? If something's important to you, you're going to make a date. Listen, when, when Becky and I were dating, I was all, I'm not going to forget that I'm taking that girl out tonight. I'm not going to forget it, right? And if I didn't show up, she knew it. I, yeah, listen, if, if it's important you to get in the Word, make a date with God and say, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with you today, Lord, at this time. For me, it's, it's early in the morning, a coffee and a Bible before my kids get up, which is difficult, but it's uh, increasingly getting earlier and earlier and earlier. And so um, make a date. But listen, have the Bible constantly open as he calls these people to do, lest you forget the Lord. Be very careful lest you forget the Lord. Let me just give you a couple more. And these aren't from the, 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 the passage for tonight, but these are just some more that I really think we need to, to, to latch on to to help us to remember the Lord. Uh, number three, remembrance means a, a, a life lived in the Spirit the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, I just want to read you something. In John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, uh, Jesus is soon to go to the cross. He's, he's has this, this last time uh, with his disciples, and he's teaching them just before he prays to the Lord. And listen to what he says in John 16, 13 and 14. John 16, 13 and 14, he says this, when the Spirit of truth comes. So he had told them that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you my Holy Spirit, that though I'm going to I'm going to depart. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to resurrect, and I'm going to ascend. He departs. So I'm going to send you someone else. 
And that's the Holy Spirit of God. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. That's really good stuff here. Really good stuff. You you see, the, the Spirit leads us into truth. And the Holy Spirit, one of His jobs is to remind us of the truth. And so maybe you've been in this position before. I, I find myself in it all the time because I'll be talking to somebody or counseling somebody and the scripture comes to my mind. That I, I don't think I've read that in 10 years. Where did that come from? Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit speaks that into your mind. You file God's word into your mind. Even just reading a card catalog just comes to the front of your mind. It's in, incredible, but the Holy Spirit declares truth and leads us into truth and reminds us of of truth. And so what that means is that we need to learn to live daily in the Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 5, you need to read that if you're kind of confused with this whole living in the Spirit. But Galatians chapter 5 will will tell us to to walk in the Spirit. That we need to walk every single day with this, this increasing sensitivity to the Holy Spirit of God, that God, I can't do it. I, I, I die to self. It, I, I'm submitting my, my, my own flesh over to you, and I want to live empowered by your Spirit to, today. So for me, in my morning prayers, God, not Josh, but you. God, as, as he says in the Scriptures, may there be less of me and more of you, so that God's Spirit will lead you into truth that day. And so learn. Remembrance means to, to, to walk in the Spirit of God. And then the last one that I want to give us is this. Remembrance. To remember the Lord. Remembrance means a, a church highly committed to. Remembrance means a church highly committed to. Matthew chapter 16 verse 18. Jesus says this. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so obviously the church is of tremendous significance to the Lord. He says, I'm going to build it and nothing can stop it. We're building this church. It's going to happen. And so we need a strong commitment to the things that Jesus is, 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 is strongly committed to. We need to be strongly committed to uh, the church of, of Jesus. We need to be deeply committed to it. Um, have, you ever, have you ever thought about how being deeply connected to a church helps you to remember the Lord? Being deeply connected to the Lord is, is one of the most powerful ways that you can remember the Lord. Because if you know, you know, I haven't read my Bible throughout the course of the week, but I, I always go to church. And you're going to have somebody teaching you Jesus. You're going to have people around you who aren't perfect either. And they're going to say, hey, what's going on in your life? Tell me what's going on. Oh, it's been a crummy week. You can be honest and real with the people. And, and so being connected to the church helps you in your remembrance of, of the Lord. One, one great way is, is that Jesus gives us the sacraments. And the sacraments are really built around remembering the Lord. When we partake of communion, which will be next week, we do it the first Sunday of every month, we partake of communion, what does Jesus say? He says, do this in remembrance. And so the church is, is, is to lead the sacraments of the Lord so that you can regularly be brought to a place to remember. And so you partake of communion, to remember the work of Jesus on the cross. When we do baptism, as we did a few weeks ago, what are we doing? We're remembering what God did when he died 
And when he resurrected a new life, and what he's done in the hearts of the people who are being baptized, we remember that. We celebrate that. Remembrance. When we, when we sing songs of worship, what are we doing? We're remembering the truths of Scripture of who God is and what he has done and what he can do and who he is today. We remember those things. We sing those things. We declare those things. And not only are we singing them to God, we're singing them to each other. We're declaring the truths of God to the person beside us. That's why I don't care how bad you sing, sing with gusto. Because you're worshiping the Lord and you're edifying the people uh, around you. And so remembrance means being highly, highly committed to the church. And so I hope these four things will just be some things that will really just help you so that you can be a person who remembers the Lord, lest you forget. Because we can so easily forget. We have great intentions. I'm not going to forget the Lord. But if we don't take some steps and say, here's what I want to do to make sure that I and my family and my, my children and my children's children remember the Lord, if we don't take those steps, we may be very prone to forget the Lord. And so remember the Lord. Remembrance means a family centered on the Lord. Your family is, is really centered on, on, on the Lord. You're talking about the Lord. You're teaching the Lord. You're singing praises to the Lord together. You're praying together. You're remembering the Lord. Uh, remembrance uh, means a Bible that is constantly open, where you're constantly reading the Word of God. You hold it as a close companion on your wrist, between your forehead. Remembrance means a, a life lived in the Spirit where you're submitting yourself to the, the Holy Spirit so that He can constantly remind you of who He is and, and what He's done and what He can do and His power and His faithfulness. And He can bring the truths of Scripture to your mind and to, to, to speak against the lies of, of the enemy in your, in your life. And then remembrance means a church that you're highly committed to. You're saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there. For me, listen, highly committed to the church means that no matter what, we're at a church on Sunday. If we're on vacation, we're going to church on Sunday. If life gets busy, well, you know what? We're going to church on Sunday. Because that's what I think it means to be deeply committed uh, to the church. Jesus was deeply, deeply, deeply committed to us. And if when things get busy, I'll say, well, I'll, I'll skip out on church this week. You know what you're saying? You're saying, I don't have faith that God can take care of the things that are on my plate right now. I'm not going to give him the first fruits of my time. And so we need to really be committed. And so on this Memorial Day, I really want to be certain that we set in motion practices so that we can remember the Lord and what he's, he's done. And remember God in the past will really reinforce us in the present. And the past is recorded right here in Scripture. And so we need to remember him. Remember him. Have you ever, have you ever forgotten somebody's name? I'm not really great with names, so I apologize if I've met you a second time or third or fourth or fifth. <laughs> I'm like, what's your name? Sometimes it's not, it's not good to try. You say, I'm sorry, I forget your name. You know what? Maybe you've been in a place where you're, you're kind of coming out of a season where you haven't really been remembering the Lord. You've been away from the Lord. You know how when you, you come back to somebody and you're like, uh, John? <laughs> you, don't, you don't know their name? Sometimes it feels like that. When you come back to the Lord, it's been a while since you prayed to Him. It's been a while since you opened the Bible, and you feel a little awkward. You feel a little strange, and maybe you feel unworthy. Listen, with the Lord, can you just remember the story of the prodigal son? When the son who said, I'm done with you, runs away, that was deliberate. 
when he comes back, when all the money runs out, what does the father do? He runs to him in a very humble way. He falls on him, Scripture says. And so listen, if you've been in a spot where you have not been remembering the Lord, don't let that hold you from coming back to him. His arms are wide open. He's ready for you to come home. He's ready for you to come home. Whether remembrance or failing to remember looks like it's been a week, it's been a month, it's been years, or it's, you know, you're just not really thinking on him very often. He just kind of comes to mind from time to time. Whatever it looks like for you, come back to him and remember him. Remember him. Let me pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your scripture. And Lord, thank you for the fact that you did what we couldn't do, that you lived your life perfectly on this earth as Jesus of Nazareth, fully God, fully man. And then you laid your life down on the cross as a substitution for our sin, as a ransom, freeing us from the grip of Satan and sin and death. And then resurrecting to life and sitting down at the right hand of the Father. Complete authority, complete control, it is finished. So that we might trust you and place faith in that work that you've done that we can't do. And we thank you for that. We remember that work tonight. And God, if there's anybody in here who has never trusted in Jesus, and they've maybe been living a life failing to remember you and think on you and fear you and revere you and trust you, Lord, I pray that tonight you would just prompt their heart as only you can do, and that they would respond to that stirring they're feeling inside of their soul, and that they would say yes to you, that they turn from being the the master of their own life and let you, the perfect master, the loving and gracious and good God, take control of their heart. May they turn from sin and turn to you and commit them to you, Lord. May they pray that to you in this moment, trust you. And God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. Maybe some of them have been really failing to remember you. You're not on the front of their mind all the time. And God, I just ask that you would just draw them back into you. Welcome them in with open arms as you do. And help them to take practical steps so that they might have a life where there are markers along the way that really prompt them to remember you, whether it be church whether it be a Bible sitting on the coffee table that's regularly before them, a Bible stored in the, the, the passenger seat of their car that reminds them it's time to open. Whether it be friends that, that, that are talking about Jesus that remind them, I need to, I need to, to be with the Lord. And help them to develop some, some mile markers, Lord, in their lives. Lord, help them to be committed to your church, your bride, you deeply loved and gave yourself for. Lord, may you out of this church raise up families centered on Jesus. That this wouldn't be a flashbang church, but that we would be generational. 
Lord, that when we're long gone, that there would still be people here in West Boston worshiping Jesus faithfully, proclaiming Jesus faithfully. And God, may we be a church that is completely dependent on your Holy Spirit. Because we know that if we're living in our own strength and our own power, you and your spirit to work in us and through us, Father, and bring to remembrance your truths, lest we forget the Lord. In Jesus' name.